It's Saturday evening and the Better Canes podcast is on the air. What up, Canes fans? We just had a win against Pitt. Rhymes with... How's everybody feeling out there after this big win against a unranked team on a current three-game losing streak? Feels pretty good, right? Am I coming in a little hot on audio? Let me just turn this down a bit. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Well, you heard the intro music. You know what that means. That means we won because intro music's for winners. And I only got to see a little bit of this game because of the horrible TV deal that the ACC has where the largest cable provider in the United States does not carry the ACC network. That's an epic fail. Especially during this time when only half of the teams are playing. The fact that the ACC nor the University of Miami could figure out a way to get the game on a regular TV network when all the TV networks are scrambling for content. But whatever. I haven't seen the contract. I haven't seen the deal. So I saw a little bit of it on a stream. I'm not big into streaming. I understand you guys have the hookups for getting this, but... I'm reluctant to do any of that stuff. I work in television. My primary income comes from the entertainment industry, so I'm not going to pirate stuff inside my house. Plus, I'm a radio guy. I love the radio. You know, my current radio right now is a Texan 880. If any of you guys have one, it's a phenomenal radio. Texan just came out with, I think, a 990. It's shipping from China. The thing is unbelievable. It's about, I don't know, 200 and something bucks probably. To listen to AM, FM, and shortwave radio, of which there is none, unless you listen to Brother Stare. But yeah, I listened to the game on the radio. I saw a little bit on the stream. I, the stream was about a minute and a, two minutes behind, so that wasn't working for me. So I, I did check out a few highlights and stuff, but it doesn't matter. The radio call's good enough. The Zagaki and DVJ are professionals. DBJ in particular has been saying the same thing for the last 15 years. He is incredibly consistent. I heard his post game on, what is it, the Danny Rabinowitz, Victor Bermudez post game. It was pretty good. I listened to it. I was doing my, I break up my um, exercise walking in a couple of different stages. So the first one I did, I did at halftime. I listened to Dono and them on the small realistic handheld. And then I went out after the game and finished my walks. I got in the 10,000 steps and I listened to that also on the little uh, realistic transistor. But one thing in particular got to me was, and I know it's all rah-rah, those guys are in business with the university and stuff, but Don Bailey Jr. and a few of the callers and the hosts and stuff were really getting down on the fans that were disappointed with the win. And a lot of the callers and stuff, people aren't that articulate to be able to express themselves. They struggle putting together words and sentences to make coherence. So I'm going to use a little bit of this time here to try to counteract that. Nobody is upset over the win. Nobody is upset over the win. What people are upset about is the way they got to the win. What happened today? And one of the consistent uh, messages was how dominant Pitt's defense was today. Right? Pitt is dominant on the defensive side of the ball. And it's going to be really tough for Miami to get anything going. And it was tough for Miami to get anything going. They couldn't run the ball with the running backs. This is the second or third week this has happened. In the offseason, I was afraid this was going to happen. 
I don't understand how the team's gone backwards in the rushing attack. It's the number one or number two thing you focus on on a football team. You're going to stop the run. You're going to run the ball. So in Manny and Blake Baker's credit, they did stop Pitt from rushing. I got the box score here. Pitt rushed for 22 yards on 26 carries. That's a stomping. That's an ass whooping. That's as bad as Clemson did to Miami last week. Because it doesn't quite work out that even though 22 is twice as many as 10, it doesn't really work out like that. They're, A.J. Davis got seven carries. He had 21 yards. V. Davis had nine carries for zero yards. So he must have lost a bunch. Yelling the quarterback, he lost 28 yards, but that's sacks, right? So they rushed the ball for 22 yards. That stinks. That's Pitt. You know? Like, things have gotten so bad that as soon as we beat Pitt and we're reminded how great Pitt is and how much of a big win this is, we were then forewarned that next week we play Powerhouse Virginia, and they're really good too. Yeah, they're really good compared to struggling ACC teams. But Pitt and Virginia are going nowhere, and they do nothing on the national stage. Pitt, they both occasionally upset somebody. They're both solid. They both have a lot of seniors, redshirt seniors, redshirt juniors on the teams. And I don't know what the problem is with Miami, why Miami is constantly putting freshmen on the field. is It can't just be because of guys leaving early. Because it's only like two or three guys, four guys leaving early. But it seems Miami's always like 10 or 15 players light when it comes to upperclassmen. Like now, you know, everyone's done with the current wide receivers and we're going to start putting freshmen in the game and seeing if they can make any plays. That shit ain't going to work. The problem with this team, and I'm going to get into it. You know, Don Bailey Jr. said, what did you expect? He goes, where did you see after five games Miami being? Um, They beat UAB and then maybe split Louisville and FSU and then lose to Clemson. And then here we are with a tough pit team. You win it, you're four and one. Miami could be three and two. So why are people upset if Miami's on track? You know, winning the games they should win and losing the games they should lose. Maybe because it's not binary. It's not just looking at the score and saying like, oh, yeah, a win is good. A loss is bad. So sometimes the score doesn't tell you the whole story. And Miami has serious problems on the offensive side of the ball. Serious problems. The rushing, the leading rushing, leading rusher was Derek King again. He had 11 carries for 32 yards for a 2.9 average. His longest was 22. And that probably, I don't know how many sacks there were. I can go back and look. But that probably includes some sacks. So he probably had a little more yardage than that. But, you know, the whole college sacks thing, they should just do it like the NFL does. This is all the, almost all the rules in the NFL and college should be the same. Knighton, seven carries, 25 yards for a 3.6 average. His long was eight. Cam Harris, 12 for 24. 2.0 yards per carry with a long run of 14. So he lost a whole bunch of yards on multiple carries. Um, The Wolfman, Don Chaney Jr., five carries, 18 yards, 3.6. Same exact as Knighton. 
the long of 10. And Burns came in and rushed four times for 15 yards for 3.8 with a long of seven. Uh, and it all adds up to 109. Okay, nobody runs for 100 yards on Pitt. Wow, 109 is a whole lot, you know, more than 100. And here's where I take issue with Don Bailey Jr.'s assessment of, well, we're on, we're on track where we're supposed to be. Well, I thought we'd be able to run the ball this year. I thought bringing in, I understand that the tight end was out and the right tackle was out. But it's been a major struggle running the ball, running the ball against Clemson 10 yards. You can tell me all you want how great 10, um, Clemson's defensive line is. You should be able to run for more than 10 yards with three running backs. And you should be able to run for more than a team 2.6 average against Pitt, who rhymes with. I mean, Pitt is like almost. I know they they pull the upset every other odd year or whatever, but they're a nothing team. And if you listen to Brian the Beast London's post-game video on YouTube, go subscribe to his channel. He's trying to get stuff going. He's creating independent content. Got to support the independent content creators like the guys at Fours Up, Marsh and Jordan, and... The, um, hold on, let me get a sip. I got some stuff going on here. And the Orange Bull Boys with Toast and Roman and Scoop. Because if you didn't see my Twitter today, now I've been blocked by 790 AM also. 790 The Ticket and 560 have both blocked me on Twitter. Which, everybody, this this week, I know censorship was a huge word amongst the nerds. Huge. They were all crying censorship all week. I'm still coming in hot, huh? Well, let me turn that down. You guys realize it's just me. Like I'm the producer, the on-air talent, also the engineer. So, you know, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit here. Now I'm a little, how do we sound? Check. One, two. All right. So the radio station blocked me for what? For being a wise ass? Like, not for, you know, any of the major offenses. There's no racism. There's no threats. There's no belligerence or anything. I tease them, and they can't handle it, so they block me, which is censorship. But they can only block me from the stupid Twitter app, and they don't make any decent tweets anyway, so it's no loss. Because, as I said before, I'm a radio guy. I'm the guy that's got the Texan 880. Like, they're putting themselves out of business just like... Office Depot was doing 20 years ago when they started selling computers. You know, when you're an office supply store and you sell computers, you're just asking your customers to buy their office supplies on the computer instead of going to your store. That's what happened to Staples and Office Depot and them. People don't need to go into the store anymore. You just click a couple of things and it gets delivered in the mail 24 hours later. So that was their big mistake with selling computers. And the biggest mistake this intercom radio is doing down here is nationalizing the radio shows. And then the locals block me, one of the biggest radio fans in South Florida. None of you guys have a Texan 880. You guys probably don't even have a Texan 660 or a 330. I do. I've got them all. So... It was disappointing to get 
blocked on that, but I'm asking you guys to support the content creators because there's just shift going on right now. And the guys that are creating their own content out of passion are so kicking the asses of traditional media for the most part. There's a couple of good radio local radio shows. But the moment that these guys, this intercom and the radio station can get away from the local hosts, they go to the piped in thing. Like there's no reason why Greeny, Greenberg, whatever his name is, should be on local radio here. Not on 560 or 790. He's on 560. <laughs> Garbage. So just support the guys. that the, the Big Three podcast. Who else is there? Um, Kane cast, you know who they are. Just support them, subscribe to them. And the best thing you can do is retweet and try to get them more customers because I've said it before. I'm not in, I'm not in any competition with the orange bowl boys or fours up. All of us are in competition with traditional media. So anytime that the Canes fans are listening to one of our shows, that means they're not listening to Entercom, and that's a win because the Entercom people, they're no good. They're no good. They came in here. They fired all the decent people on the radio here. They pumped in national stuff, and now this radio market sucks. So let me get back to addressing what Don Bailey Jr. said about expectations for this team. And like I said, if you didn't hear what the Beast said, at the end of the Beast's YouTube video, he talked about the current state of the University of Miami football team where they are just an average ACC team. That instead of, the he, he said, the idea, the goal of the ACC in bringing Miami in was to elevate the ACC up to the level of the SEC. But instead, the ACC drug Miami down so that Miami now is no different than Pitt or North Carolina or Syracuse or NC State or Boston College. They're the same, you know? It's a 50-50, do a coin toss on where, um, you know, how good these programs are against each other. The reason why that's an epic fail, and that's an epic fail, and why it's not acceptable that there's no running game here and that we don't have running backs and we don't have wide receivers and we don't have skill positions is because the University of Miami is a unique in a unique situation in college football. They're smack dab in the middle of the recruiting epicenter for skill positions. This whole gig has always been a recruiting gig going back to Howard Schnellenberger. He's like, we're going to get the guys and then we go out and we stomp people. And that continued. And I realized, you know, Alabama and Clemson and the Gators and the Knowles and whoever else comes down here and they also recruit here. So they take some of the best kids. The best kids have not been going to the University of Miami. Miami's been getting scrubs. Those Bosa brothers, they didn't give Miami a whiff. Amari Cooper, nothing. Dalvin Cook, nothing. Judy, nothing. So the here, here's where we are. Now we have like run-of-the-mill average ACC talent on the offense, which is inexcusable. It's all a recruiting game. This entire game at the University of Miami 
is predisposed that you're going to be able to recruit and get those good kids. And if your doofus coach is not respected by the local kids and they're like, nah, we ain't playing for that guy, you're never going to succeed. You're going to be Duke. You're going to be Vanderbilt. Miami's a small private school run by a bunch of people that don't particularly like football or their fans. And that's what you get. A 3.6 rushing average in college. Go ahead and put on Sports Center tonight at 8 o'clock or before the Bama Georgia game, and you'll see highlight after highlight after highlight of kids that from schools that aren't near Coral Gables or Broward or Palm Beach ripping off 50 yarders, 60 yarders, 70 yarders. That's college football. It's not the NFL, you know, where a 20 yard run is a big deal. Just they'll show you games. Oh, there's another 60 yarder. There's a, you know, mm. So, yeah, I'm happy for the win. It was a decent win. At least they didn't fold. At least the team didn't come out with their tail between their legs. I have a feeling that some of the players did. I have a feeling that there's a little bit of wounded dog syndrome going on with the offensive line. I think those guys are down on themselves. Like, there's just nothing sadder than seeing the offensive linemen get torched. Because he's big, and everyone expects him to protect, like... What was that sorry movie? The Blind Side. You know what I mean? It took special motivation for Big Boy there to protect the quarterback. He had to visualize that he was protecting his mama. Right? She went in there and said, you know, gave him the rah-rah speech. Um, Big Mike, you protect him like you're protecting me or the kids. And then Big Mike got it. Well, there's no Hollywood moments here for this offensive line because these guys, they're just Sorry. And it's sad. It's like watching King Kong fall off the top of the Empire State Building. Like big man's down. Or you see that all the pit linemen get into the backfield, drop, I think it was Cheney, for like a two or three yard loss. And all the Miami offensive linemen are standing on the ground with their hands on their hips because they can't get low. They're just standing there looking at the three yard loss like... That's my bad. Let me pat myself. Let me, you know, point at myself like that's on that one's on me. Well, dude, it's been on you for two weeks now. Like at some point, try something else. Mix it up. Because if you can't run the ball and they bottle up the offensive line and that quarterback to York King can't see what did he have three or four balls batted one tipped for a pick six he's a little dude and like he's gonna have to start rolling out in like huge giant banana patterns to be able to see the field because the University of Miami offensive line is so sorry they can't move anybody I don't know whether we need another offensive did they fire the offensive line coach from last year and brought in a new guy? Well, maybe it's not the coach. You know, maybe these kids are just sorry. You know, to sit there and listen to the announcers and stuff and people on Twitter throw it back in my face how good Pitt is. Dude, they're on a three-game losing streak. How good can they be? They're starting a, a quarterback... On a first start, he's thrown three passes before the game today. He threw for almost 300 yards. He threw for what, 277, 278? Never played before. 
How's his offensive line doing? So now our our offensive line can't generate running lanes beyond broken plays. Like they can't get positive yardage on first down, like four or five yards and set up a second and short. Everything is either a broken play or the quarterback has to scramble and make people miss and he runs for 22 and then they run it on first down again and lose three. That is garbage football. That's that's why the fans are calling up the post-game show and are down. Nobody's down for winning. Nobody, you know, is like, oh, we only they didn't cover. We only won 31-19. That's not the reason why people are down. People are using the eye test. They're looking at it going, this team isn't getting any better. Well, they're not. At least on the offensive line, they're not. And what that's doing is that quarterback is struggling. And he probably had a better offensive line at Houston playing lesser talent than he is here playing ACC talent behind a weaker line. And he's probably like, you've got to be kidding me. It's a jailbreak every play. These guys can't get one inch. They can't push somebody one yard. Like earlier in the year, I forget who it was, Louisville or Florida State or whatever, I actually gave Miami props. They picked up a few short yardage runs, but that's out the window. Those defenses are trash. Now that Miami's played Clemson and Pitt, who, you know, Pitt's got one of the greatest defenses of all time in college football, if you ask the Miami Hurricanes announcers and fanboys, I ain't buying it. Yeah, Yellen, 22 of 46, 277 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions, a QBR of 38.7. King, 16 to 31, 222 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, one of them a pick six, and his QBR is 51.9, which is also trash. So no ACC award this week for running back or quarterback. And it's obvious to everybody, the announcers, and I told you those announcers, I heard them on the Screeching Hillary and Geldy show on 790 in the morning. And they had on that color analyst or the, uh, you know, ex-player that provides the analyst. And I knew that guy wouldn't for real as an announcer. He's a feel-good story. I'm not going to beat up on him. I'm glad he's healthy, but he shouldn't be in the booth. The a- ACC network, like where do you, what hotel you think they're putting their people up at? Courtyard Marriott? Like they, they won't even reimburse them for valet parking at the Fountain Blue if those guys could even get and live or you know, go to 112 or whatever. Like, these guys, no. They're going to Applebee's and they're staying at the Courtyard Marriott because of the ACC network. Defense. How many sacks? Three sacks. Three sacks for Miami. On a guy making his first start. And they're splitting sacks, too. Miller and Harvey splitting a sack. Phillips got half a sack. Phillips got half a sack, three tackles, and one tackle for loss. I like him. He's a good player, but I'm not going to jock him. Harrison, two tackles for loss, three solo. And Gervin Hall, eight total tackles, five solos. Roche, seven total tackles, four solos, half a sack, four tackles for losses. So it was really Roche's game. This was his... His good game. The best players in the team are all transfers. The punter, the kicker, both of the pass rushers, 
and the quarterback. Well, we're going to do this. It's like a recurring segment on this podcast where we laugh at the clown Opie Taylor, Mark Richt, who, dude, imagine if they didn't have the transfer portal, how bad this team would be. Thanks a lot, Mark Richt, for excellent recruiting. Nothing, dude. You've got nothing. You brought nothing to the team. But four and one. Four and one. And we're just supposed to look at that and be like, oh, we're on schedule. That's what Don Bailey Jr. said. We're on schedule. Nobody should be upset. No one should be complaining. Where'd you think we'd be now? Most of the people thought we'd be three and two. I thought we'd be three and two. I thought we'd split Louisville and Florida State. Like I said, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do this podcast for. This is probably, this was one of the worst sports podcasts on here. But I'm not making you guys sit through commercials or sponsored ads. And just kind of rambling and doing my own post pregame. Just whenever I feel like going on, I've got the mic and everything set up. So I just go. So I want to get back to how my the whole gig at Miami is based on having a serious recruiting advantage by being able to scout and recruit the local kids. If that's not going to happen, if you cannot get the premier talent to come here, and I'm not everybody, of course, is going to come, but if you don't have a definite skill talent advantage over the rest of the middle of the ACC, give it up. I mean, seriously, because it's over. It's over for the University of Miami if they can no longer get a recruiting advantage to give them skill position players that are remarkably better than the ones that are at Duke and North Carolina and NC State and Pitt and Virginia and Virginia Tech. They're just the same. And that's a sad thing. That's the end of the program as we know it. That's admitting that it's basically over. You know, they'll never be elite again. They'll never be special again until they can get a charismatic coach that can come here and get that talent. I'm not cynical enough or nor do I know enough what's going on the streets to be able to say that, oh, Clemson and Alabama and LSU are coming here and throwing around big bags of money. I'm sure it's happening. That's not going to happen with the University of Miami, not to that degree. I mean, I'm just really disappointed in the rosters. Miami receiving. Will Mallory, two catches, 51 yards, two touchdowns. Harley, two catches. Pope, five catches for 46 yards. No touchdowns. Knighton. Five catches for 27 yards. No touchdown. Longest of 16. Keontae Smith, one catch for 16 yards. 222 yards receiving. Four touchdowns. 
And people pointed that out on pregame stuff, that there were going to be big plays to be had for University of Miami if they could get the middle of the field. Because, you know, Pitt's super aggressive. But I'm not going to front like I know X's and O's. I just know the reality of this team is stuck in the mud and is not moving forward. Not with the talent. You know, people like, oh, give the running backs a break, man. The best running backs on the team are freshmen. Well, I remember when we faced a freshman on Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor had that work out. He rushed for 2,000 yards as a freshman and threw 200 on us in a bowl game. Don't give me that freshman nonsense. I mean, these kids have got to break tackles. I understand that the offensive line isn't there. And that Pitt has, you know, probably the greatest defensive line in all of football, including the NFL, if you listen to people today. That's all they talked about. Oh, everybody calm down. Pitt's defense is really good, but they're on a current three-game losing streak. That's how good they are. And I just don't see any hope. Maybe next year they can bring in a running back and some offensive linemen from the portal. But the offensive line, man, it is bad. It has been bad for a couple weeks. And I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Derek King make both of the tackles on interceptions. Zach McLeod, two tackles, one solo. No sacks, no tackles for loss. Frierson, two tackles, zero, zero, and zero. Flag Jr., two tackles. Silvera, one tackle, zero solo. Zero sack, zero for loss. Blades, one tackle. Zero zero zero. Huff, one tackle, zero zero zero. Three total sacks. Playing a quarterback. Making his first start on the road. So next week it's Virginia. Virginia's big. They always recruit big players. They're tough. They're smart. Can't be a dumbass and go to Virginia. I mean, Virginia is one of the smartest schools out of, out there. Thomas Jefferson was one of the first guys to reject religion. Don't let these doofuses tell you that the founding fathers were religious nuts. They weren't. University of Virginia was the first secular college in the United States. I think if Thomas Jefferson had been a religious nut, he would have followed all the other universities in the United States and had a parochial university. He did not. He opened a secular university. He also wrote the Jeffersonian Bible, which took out all miracles and magic and just exposed Jesus's philosophy. Maybe you want to read it. And thirdly, he is not buried under a cross. On his tombstone, there is no cross or mention of religion or anything else. He's buried under an obelisk, a rising pyramid. So all your friends that think that the founding fathers were these, you know, super hardcore religious guys. Wrong. That's it for the stats. You know, these condescending radio hosts down here. 
expecting the fans to be doing cartwheels after a win like today. I'm Listen, I'm happy that they beat Pitt. I'd be even more pissed if they'd have lost. But Pitt is a that school, that's a non-school. They're never in the mix. They're never ranked. They play spoiler every once in a while because that Narduzzi guy, they recruit a scrappy type of player there and teams take them for granted or they come up with a great defensive scheme and they beat a Clemson. I shouldn't even put Miami in the same, it's not even the same level of upset. But yeah, they beat Clemson, they beat Miami, they beat the Dwarfs from Orlando, the UCF um, Park Dwarves or whatever they're going by this year. But that's it. You're not going to get me to be like, oh my God, they beat Pitt. Let's riot Las Olas. No. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So that's it. Don't know how many more of these things I'm going to be able to do. It's the worst podcast on iTunes. At least the worst sports podcast. I just try to bring a little bit of energy. Like the running backs, I probably won't get a whole lot better at this without making drastic changes and bringing in a co-host and probably a producer and having notes and doing other stuff, but I'm not interested. I'm lazy. I'm just going to pop on whenever I want and pill for market share. Just take a chunk out. I've got a couple people that like listening to it. That's enough for me. Not buying any ads. Not selling any ads on here. Not looking for sponsors. Not going to sell you guys manscaping gear. We talked about that before. So maybe I'll go live again or record again midweek once I know a little bit more about Virginia. Decent win for Miami. Reason to be concerned and disappointed in the running game and a few other aspects of the offense. Kind of program is kind of stuck in the mud. Not going to see a lot of improvement this year. It is what it is. The biggest opportunity to get better will rely on the offseason and getting more kids from the transfer portal rather than recruiting because the best players in the local markets and in other markets, they don't want to play for these coaches. The best kids at St. Thomas and Central and Heritage, they want nothing to do with Miami. They want nothing to do with Manny Diaz. They wanted nothing to do with Opie Richt. And that's why we're here in the middle of the ACC, struggling to run the football, struggling to pass it, playing halfway decent bend but don't break defense, which I'd never thought I'd see here at Miami. You know, I don't know what. I never figured out what Golden was trying to do. But this defense, this this is not Miami ball. These guys should be also screaming. I don't know why the east-west passes passes to the sidelines and why there's so many receivers running wide open against Miami. I mean, that quarterback, he had multiple drops and multiple bad throws where guys were wide open. Miami could have got stomped today. They could have got stomped out if Pitt had got a little bit lucky. But they didn't. And according to DBJ, Don Bailey Jr., 
The fans should be overjoyed with today's win because we're on schedule. We're 4 and 1. We haven't lost a game we shouldn't have lost and we did lose a game that we should have lost. He hammered that home. All right, I'm at 36 minutes. This podcast is garbage. I'm going to do a little outro music maybe. If you guys can guess what that beat is, let me know on Twitter. If not, Congrats on the win, 31-19, Miami beats Pitt at Hard Rock Stadium. Go Canes.